Sunday, April the 24th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. It is uh, the Sunday after, as uh, Simon was saying some moments ago, and um, different postures, isn't it, as we lean into what God is saying and what God is doing. We go from the kind of big sense of celebration as we gathered last um, week to perhaps something that's more intimate and more personal and uh, more reflective this morning, and um, I'm leaping ahead. So before we get into that, let me say uh, a huge uh, thank you to all of you who helped us send um, uh, somewhere just over £8,000 to Project Roof uh, over the last few weeks to help with uh, the Ukraine appeal. So Project Roof is a, uh, a charity that came out of a Baptist church, Providence Baptist Church in Bucharest, where Otti is the, the pastor. You might remember Otti here preaching uh, last uh, November. And uh, they have opened part of their buildings they run a school for um, Roma children and so on. And that school is continuing, but at the same time, they've opened up part of their space to receive Ukrainian refugees and quickly went to 50 to 70, primarily uh, women and children because uh, the men, because of martial law, need to stay uh, behind. Uh, and, and very quickly, it realized that there would need to be a lot of support to help these people either move on eventually with the right papers. But of course, many of them don't want to move on that quickly because they want to remain near the country that they love with the hope and the longing that they'll get that back there quite, uh, quite quickly. So there will be an ongoing need for us to love and support the work of Project Ruth. So thank you so much for all your involvement in that. And, and if you still use forward slash donate and, and click uh, the Ukraine Appeal Project Ruth, then that money, all of that that goes through that loop will get there um, for sure. So back to this morning uh, then. We're lingering in the Easter story for at least one more week, picking up what we thought about several weeks ago at the beginning of Hebrews, that The writer reminds us, he's about to introduce us to Jesus. The book of Hebrews is is just all about Jesus from beginning to end. It's a Christological book. It's giving us truth about Jesus. And you may remember that he begins in chapter 1 saying that in these last days, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets many times and in various ways. But in these last days... The moments that we're in now, God speaks to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. I love that word also, don't you? He appointed him heir of all things. And by the way, also, just as an extra thought, he made the universe. That's the level of Jesus's authority and power and dominion over everything that is. He also made the universe, which reminds me of the verse in Isaiah chapter 40, when it talks about God kind of um, calling the universe into being, just like you would, you know, in the morning when you wake up and you open the curtains 
Anybody open curtains? Perhaps you all have blinds. But you know when you kind of open the curtains onto the new day. And Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 40, it's like God, God just opened the universe like you and I would open a pair of curtains. That's the power. That's the authority. And then he says in verse 3, Hebrews 1 verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. I want you to meet the sun who is the radiance of God's glory. Meet him not in your head, but in your heart. Glory is what touches our hearts. When you open the curtains to a brand new day and the sun shines, as we said some weeks ago, you don't think about facts about the sun. You just embrace the reality of it and receive it into your being. This is a good day because the sky is blue and the sun is shining, whatever that might be, the, the glory. So we encounter Jesus in our hearts and he is the exact representation of his being. And this is what he likes. You can understand things about him, patterns about him, rhythms about him, truths about him in your head, which will help you know how to live, both head and heart, which of course has been the truth the whole time. However much we might have been tempted to dominate in our heads and make sure we've got good doctrine, which is absolutely important, it is a head and heart journey with Jesus. So Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Isn't it interesting that Jesus leads with heart? Jesus doesn't lead with head. He doesn't lead with understanding. He doesn't lead with instruction. Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul. All of your inner being and with all of your mind, so that's head, and all of your strength and strength and activity comes out of a decision that we make in our, in our minds, all of our hearts and all of our heads. So as we come to this Easter story, just like we did with Good Friday, um, I'd love us to think about today encountering Jesus in our hearts. The truth of the resurrection is that your life and mine in Christ is totally secure. How brilliant is that? In Christ, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit in us is a deposit guaranteeing all that is to come. That's the truth. That's, that's the, the cognitive truth about what we believe as Christians, that we will walk with Jesus until the day that we see him face to face and we are like him. But what does it mean to engage with that in our hearts, to allow our hearts to be changed, as well as our heads. That's the journey of these next 20 minutes, to try and engage our hearts, to meet Jesus at the heart level, and not just the head. People were amazed, weren't they, by Jesus. Love him or hate him, almost everybody was amazed. No one was kind of ambivalent in some ways. The crowds were amazed that he taught with with authority. They were amazed that this carpenter from Nazareth could say things that made their heads and their hearts stand up on end. It wasn't just they learned something new. It had an authority. It had a presence. It had a transcendence. It had an otherness that they'd never experienced before. The religious leaders were amazed because they didn't have that. For all their learnedness, is that a word? For all their intellectual skill, for all their theological prowess, they did not have that. The disciples were amazed that Jesus called them to follow him. 
So many people, as they began to engage with it, were amazed at how Jesus died. Not the horror of it, but his attitude of heart. When we think about those seven sayings from the cross and the way that the, the, the story is, is told, that Jesus' sense of presence, even in that moment, was reaching out to those uh, around him. There was an amazement about his death that even the centurion um, was moved. And so... There was this life that was packed with kind of meaning and amazement. But if he's dead, then he's dead. If he died, then it's over. For all the symbolism, the meaning of his life, the purpose of his death, if he's dead, it's, it's over. It, it might have been for those disciples the greatest three years of their lives. It might have been for the religious leaders the toughest moments of their lives as they wrestled with this otherness that had come among them that they didn't understand, that they couldn't contain, that they couldn't put in a box, that they couldn't rationalize out. But if he's dead, it's over. And this is the truth for our hearts today. Easter is for anyone who thinks it's over. Or maybe who feels like it never got started. Sometimes we might get halfway through our lives and think, we, do you know what, I just, we just haven't got started. Easter is for everyone who thinks it's over or feels like it never got started. You see, those early followers were like so many of us. They were lost in their grief. They were overwhelmed by their sense of failure. They were scared witless for their future. They were anxious. And so they huddled together in the, the upper room with, with, with no sense of, of hope or power or glory. And in those moments, in that locked room, maybe a sense that, where's God? And, and, and you might relate to that story. There have been times in your life when God has felt so close and so real and so alive on a mountainside, when he was feeding 5,000, when people were getting healed, when a funeral got stopped and a, uh, and, and a woman got her son back to life, whatever it might be. There were moments when God has felt so close. But now in this moment, they're even beginning to wonder whether God ever existed. And there are three stories in John chapter 20, just like the story of the people walking on the road to Emmaus, of people who are beginning to wonder whether it's all been some kind of great sham, some kind of hallucination, some kind of dream, and now they've woken up, and just like every good dream, it's come to a, a crushing end. But each of these groups of people would discover that Easter Day, that things were only just getting started. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, do you know what? Maybe things are only just getting started. I mean, think about that for a moment. Maybe things are just getting going. Maybe God's just beginning to piece things together. He was just beginning to piece things together for Mary and for those 12 disciples and for Thomas who felt like it was over. Or perhaps it had never actually got started. Can you identify with Mary? She'd given herself to Jesus. She'd, she'd given herself physically in terms of traveling with him, but she'd given her heart to him. She loved him, not in a romantic sense, but in a, in a deep follower of Jesus sense. 
She, she owed her life to Jesus. Jesus had spoken into her demonic life and helped her turn around. And, and she rises early on that Sunday morning with no thought in her heart other than that she has to accept the way that it is. Who knows what I'm talking about when I say it's easier to accept the way it is than to hope for something better. All of us have found ourselves in that place. Do you know what? I better accept it. It'll be easier for me if I face it. If I come to terms with that's the way it is, then at least I'll in some way protect my heart because that just is the way it is. But what if Easter? What if Easter is where it's only just beginning rather than it's already over? And so she makes her way to the tomb with a final act of acceptance It had been the Passover and so she hadn't been able to get to the tomb. She must have longed to have done that final sense of offering of service to Jesus to to, to anoint his body, to make sure the grave, everything was as she would like it to be. And in some senses, she probably knows it's meaningless. He's dead, he's gone. But nevertheless, it's in her heart, it matters that she makes this final journey of devotion. And as the dawn breaks and she rises and she gathers the spices and she puts on her cloak of the early morning chill and she slips through. Think about this for a moment. She slips through the quiet, cobbled streets that had been so different on Good Friday. Think about those cobbled streets on Good Friday that were alive with festival goers cheering the crucified or soon to be crucified criminals, including Jesus as they went through the streets. She's walking those same streets. She's going out down that same route. Are you in a place where once there was so much life, but now it seems like it's over? She's in that same street. Her mind races through the images that will never leave her. Soon she's out through the gate and up the hill. Nothing could prepare her for what she's about to see. Someone has already messed with the grave. And so her adrenaline is kicking in, her fear, her heart is pounding. She's trying to make sense of all these emotions. Everything has, has, has changed. She starts to cry. She starts to cry and from nowhere there's a kindness in a stranger, it seems to her. Why are you crying? She's like, what's this guy on? I'm standing here in front of the the grave of this man that I've loved and given my life to and and for. And he's asking me why why I'm crying. Is he mad or is he Mary? And into her hopelessness, into her confusion, into her doubt, into it's all over, it will never be the same again. Into her despair, Jesus speaks her name. It's a very powerful thing. He doesn't say, you should have read the Old Testament, of course I was coming back. He doesn't say... Where were you theologically? He doesn't say, why have you been so foolish? Although he does in some other places. He just calls her name. And in that moment, everything changed 
for her. It's like the whole of her life is sucked into that moment. And in that moment, Jesus says, Mary, the first person on earth to discover the amazing truth that he's alive. Can you imagine? Nothing more life-giving, more life-changing than Jesus calling your name. Can you imagine that? And what does that do? It doesn't do anything for her head very much, but it does an awful lot for her heart. You with me? Hello? Jesus was speaking to her heart. He wanted her heart to come alive with the truth that he was there and he would always be there. Children in the night. What is it about that phrase, sleeping like babies? What an oxymoron right there. And you spend about 15 years of your life trying to get your kids to sleep and another 10 trying to wake them up. You think it's a good idea to teach them to talk and walk and then you spend your life saying, sit down and shut up. But in the middle of the night, you know, when a child wakes up from perhaps a nightmare or a, 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 or a restless dream, and in the darkness, they don't know where they are. We'll all remember those moments for ourselves, probably. And in the darkness, they don't know where they are, and they're totally disorientated. And perhaps they're calling out in the darkness. In those moments... Think about the great power, the great reassurance, the great relief when you as their mother or their father or their guardian, you as the uh, one who can speak into that situation with love and warmth and presence just speaks their name. It's all right. I'm here. I'm with you. You're not alone. All is well. So much summed up in the power of somebody's name. You with me? Which is why it says in the Old Testament that he calls us by name. He doesn't say, oh, you over there. He calls us by name. And when you remember somebody's name, you will know just sort of very superficial interaction. When you meet someone for a second time and you've remembered their name, or when you've been met a second time and someone's remembered your name, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it's a, there's a qualitative difference in that encounter because they've remembered your name. The risen Jesus comes to all those who are weighed down by a sense that it's over and he calls your name. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? He calls your name. Right now, in this moment, he, he, he whispers, he shouts, he whispers, he, he shouts, he, he cheers, he, he, he comforts, he calls your name. I, I'm here. I'm, I'm with you. It's not over, it's just beginning. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Can you hear him today? Or maybe you're thinking more about the twelve. You can relate to them a bit easier, perhaps, than, than Mary. Because the twelve are just scared witless. Fear has gripped them so they are stuck to where they are. They're, they're locked in. Literally, they've locked themselves in a room for fear, it says, of the Jews. But actually, what's holding them locked in the room, because Mary wasn't locked in a room, was she? 
What's holding them locked in that room is the bolt of fear that they've put on their hearts. Have you ever known fear to grip your heart that it stops you doing what you want to do? That's just me then. That moment when we know that fear is the dominant emotion and it's got us trapped. Who knows what I'm talking about? Ever been in a moment when fear is leading your response? And it doesn't matter what else you're thinking, you know that fear is in control. Locked with bolts on their hearts, they'd run when they should have stayed. They'd slept when they should have prayed. They doubted when they should have believed. Their hopes were crushed. Their dreams were lost. Their future had vanished. And they didn't know what to do because of this fear. Should they go home, what would they say to people when they got home? Have you ever thought about that? Oops. Should they make plans? They thought they had plans. But that's what fear does. It holds you trapped, locked on the inside of your heart. Fear about the past holds us trapped. Because of what I'm feeling, that fear that's rooted in the past, I can't push forward because I'm afraid. Fear about the future. I I anticipate that round the next corner is something that I'm not ready for, and so I'm afraid. So rather than go into the next corner, I'll try and stay where I am. But quite honestly, I'm afraid in the present too. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, except hide. Hide. And that's what fear does. Fear causes us to hide, to shut ourselves off, to lose our voice. Not to step into what God has for us, but to step back. Not to move on into God's purpose, but to keep myself to myself. Fear says, I'm going to keep myself closed. I'm going to keep myself locked in. I'm going to keep my distance from God And from you, just in case, because I'm living out of fear. Who knows what I'm talking about? And that's where these 12 guys were, or 11. Fear had gripped them. And some of us become trapped by our fears. And suddenly, into that fear, Jesus shows up and says, Peace be with you. Notice that he came and, and, stood a, and stood among them. Notice it was about the head and a heart thing. It was both the words that he spoke, but his presence, the glory of his presence came with them into that moment and he breathed on them. The risen Jesus comes back to all of us who find ourselves trapped by our fears and says, peace to you. This is a piece that breaks through the fear that you are feeling. And why is it so important? It's so important for all three of these groups of people. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Just like he had a plan and a purpose for Mary's life, he had a plan and a purpose for the eleven's life, and he has a plan and a purpose for Thomas's life. He has a plan and a purpose for all our lives. We will be most fulfilled as we step into the fullness of God's plan for us. Are you with me? Mary could not step into the fullness of God's plan while she was lost in hopelessness and grief. The eleven could not step into the fullness of God's plan whilst they were trapped in their fear. Thomas could not step into the fullness of God's plan for him whilst he was consumed by his doubt. That's why it's so important. 
The risen Jesus comes back for us in whatever it is that is holding us, that is enslaving us, that is keeping us trapped. And he speaks into that situation, head and heart. Can you name your fear? Can you name what it is that makes you afraid? Can you name what it is that would cause you to step back, to hide, not to give of yourself? Not to be open, to be vulnerable, to risk. Well, what's the f- name of the fear that, that, that sucks your energy? There's so much you'd love to do, but your capacity feels so small because fear is sucking so much of that energy in. Can you invite Jesus to bring the truth, head, the truth, into that fear? Peace be with you. I'm, I'm here. You have everything you need. Peace be with you. The truth. And can you invite Jesus to bring the power of his presence, heart, into that fear? In other words, can you, can you name that fear and surrender it to Jesus and bring that fear under both the truth of who Jesus is and the power of the presence of who Jesus is? And what happened? These 11 fearful disciples went out and began to change the world. And we're here today because of that. We are here today because they broke through, in the powerful name of Jesus, the fear that had trapped them. They could have remained in their fear. The bolts are on the inside of our hearts. They could have not let Jesus' truth in. They could have decided that they, that they had enough of his games of hope and despair. If it was the way of the cross, then they were all out. But they let Jesus in and so started something that 2,000 years later we're embracing, we're enjoying, we're receiving, we're absorbing right here and right now. And that's true for you. Imagine the legacy that there is when you break free from your fear. And you get changed, and you getting changed changes somebody else. And somebody else getting changed changes something else. And you breaking out of your fear starts a chain reaction in your life that perhaps would go on for another 2,000 years. How cool would that be? Because when you break out of your fear, it helps those around you break out of theirs. And as, as they break out of theirs, it helps the people around them break out of theirs. And so something begins to happen in a kingdom sense. That's unbelievably remarkable. Because they came alive. And what this world needs more than anything else is you alive. That's what this world needs. It needs you alive. They break out of their fear. And just one more thought. And then we're going to spend some time. Just inviting Jesus to show up. Because that's what the risen Jesus does. You notice that? Everything else about, the, about Jesus after the resurrection is about him showing up. He shows up. He shows up in our hopelessness and in our grief. He shows up in our fear. And he shows up even in our doubts. Can you identify with Thomas? Oh, I've got to feel sorry for Thomas. You know? It's a bit like the day revival comes to church and you missed it. You, you just weren't there. You know, and God did something amazing. You know, there was a a raising of the dead and you missed it. You've been to church every Sunday for 35 years. And the Sunday you don't come, something incredible happens and you go, I've missed it. Where was I? 
I mean, where was Thomas? He'd gone out for a loaf of bread. Arguably, he was the stronger one. He, he, where, where, where'd he gone? He'd gone, uh, we don't know where he'd gone. But for whatever reason, he wasn't there. And, and he gets back. And do you know when you mo- go into a room and you know that everything's changed? You know, you can feel it in the air, can't you? Something has happened in this moment that, that's changed everything. And they, they go into this, he goes into this room and he knows just as we know we're so much more than just flesh and blood, aren't we? He knows that it's all together changed. What's happened? We've seen the Lord. Is this a wind up? Is this a joke? Are they, are they making a good banter out of his vulnerability? But you know what? He just couldn't believe it. He, he, he didn't believe it because he believed in Jesus once and he'd seen Jesus end up on a cross. And he goes, Do you know, what? I don't I, I, I'm not sure I can believe it. And, and it's really hard to believe again when you've believed for something and you've been disappointed in that place to believe again. That's why some of the struggles that we carry a long time in our lives are harder to bring ourselves back out of the despair, back into hope. Because it's harder to hope again where once you had hope dashed. And Thomas is honest about that. And that's the strength of Thomas, isn't it? To be honest about where you're at. It would have been easy for Thomas to go, oh yeah, I believe, of course I do. He doesn't want to let the side down. He doesn't want to show that perhaps his faith is weaker than the others. Oh, that's great, I'm all in. He he goes, no, 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 actually I'm not all in. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure I can believe what you're saying. I know you guys are true. I know you're not winding me up. I, I, I've lived with you. We've journeyed together. I know you're telling it, but I just can't be in. I'm just not in that place. Emotionally, spiritually, I am somewhere else. The power of being honest in that moment. Guys, I can't do this. It's too much. Unless I see, unless I touch, I can't believe. Seven long days, Thomas struggled with his doubt. He had enough time to really get in touch with what he was feeling. To be honest about where he was at. And that's where transformation begins. To get in touch with where we are, to be honest with where we're we're at. They kept saying it was true, but he couldn't. Then as suddenly as the first time, Suddenly is the first time Jesus turns up. And what does he do? He doesn't ignore Thomas because Thomas has been the doubter. He doesn't focus his attention on the 11 that have been the true believers. He goes straight to Thomas, it says. He goes straight to Thomas. In the same way when Jesus came back, he said, and Peter. He went straight to Peter that we talked about last week. Because Jesus' heart is with us and for us. And, and Thomas might well have written himself off. Whatever happens next in this great story, the 11 are going to skip off into the sunset, riding their white horses, and I'm going to be left behind in all my shame and all my doubt. Jesus goes straight to Thomas and says, Look, touch, feel. Thomas didn't need to touch, did he? Do you notice that? Thomas never did it. I think I might have done it just for curiosity's sake. Because in the end, we think we need to see, touch, feel. 
But in the end, it's the presence of Jesus that creates the faith. You with me? So we think we'll only have faith if. I will only believe in you if I can put my finger through the... That's what he said. I'll only believe if I can get my finger in through the nail prints. Actually, he didn't even need that. All he needed was the presence of Jesus. So whatever condition you might be putting on your life right now, if, I will only if, you don't need it. You can let go of that condition. You do not need to put that condition on your future with God because all you need is his presence. And what did Jesus say? What was the last words that Jesus said? It's not a trick question, is it? What's the last thing that Jesus said on earth? I am with you to the very end of the age. My presence. Everything we need is in his presence. Oh, I need to put my fingers in. I need to see this. I need to get that sorted out. I need to understand that a bit more. I need to, I need to sort that bit out. And when that has happened, and, and if, but, and maybe, and Jesus says, no, no, no. All you need is my presence. And my presence is with you to the very end of the age. Thomas found faith in his doubt. And you can too. So the risen Jesus, perhaps the band can come. The risen Jesus calls you by name. I'm inviting you this morning, if you identify with Mary, to listen. To listen for Jesus calling your name. To hear it in here. That's not to say you... Won't hear it audibly. You may, you may well do, but God knows the way we need to hear. That you hear it in here. Simon. He, he knows my name. The God of heaven knows my name. And as he calls my name, I know that he's here. He's, he's with me. He, he's, I have everything that I, that I need. I, I thought I was lost in my hopelessness and in my grief, but he, I hear his name. And I come alive from the inside out. The risen Jesus gives you peace in your fear. Can you feel it? You need to name your fear and invite the peace. Name your fear and invite the peace. Can you, can you feel it? The peace of God, the transcendent presence of God sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into your being. Jesus talks about streams of living water that will flow over you. Not at all that will flow deep within you. The risen Jesus says, hey, look and see. Don't worry in the end about the nails and putting your hands. Just look and see, my, and see my presence. It's time to believe. Okay, Can you see him? Can you see him? Can you see his presence? So maybe in this moment... As uh, Kerry begins to play, maybe in this moment, open up your, open up your heart. Open up your heart. It's so, it's so important because it's not just about about those things, but it's about you being able to step into God's purpose that He has for you. You can't step into God's purpose if you feel hopeless. 
You can't step into God's purpose if you are fear-filled. And you can't step into God's purpose if doubt is rising above faith. Jesus offers us his presence. He whispers our name. He comes with a deep sense of peace. And he says, look and see, I'm here. I'm with you. For everyone who was thinking and feeling, it's all over. Do you know what? Actually, it's only just beginning. Just hold that truth for a moment as we listen to the music. I will, I will never be alone. I will never be alone. Can you speak that truth into your being? I will never be alone. Easter's reality is that I'll never be. I'll never be alone. I'll never, ever, ever be alone. Jesus experienced complete aloneness on the cross that I might never be alone. And so hear him as he calls your name. Receive from him as he speaks peace into that fear that you're naming. And look on the presence of Jesus in this moment. And let doubt give way to faith. My Lord and my God. feels really important for us to, to pray for one another in these moments. Um, we're going to sing a song in just a moment, not yet, about who God says we are. It's kind of like claiming the truth. It's saying, this is who I am. This is what God has done. This is, this is the side of the truth that I'm rooting my life in. But I think it would be important for us to pray together. If, if, if there's a sense this morning for you that... Uh, uh, Jesus is going to call your name in the midst of hopelessness. If there's a, a truth uh, this morning that uh, you're naming a fear, that you're inviting the presence of Jesus to break through. If there's a truth this morning that, that doubt needs to give way to faith, uh, j- just come forward now, just right now. We're going to pray. That's all I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And then you can go back and sit down. But if there's that truth, that reality that you want to step into today, then, then we'd love to pray with you. As a whole family, not just we, we would love to pray for you. So come, just come. You won't have to talk to anyone, you won't have to say anything to anyone, but just come. Father, thank you that the risen Jesus comes back for us comes back for all of us, but especially in this moment, he comes back to those that are standing right here. And he knows exactly what they're carrying. He knew what Mary was carrying and what she needed. He knew what 
those 11 were carrying and what they needed. He knows. He knew what Thomas was carrying and what he needed. He knows what you all need. He knows what you're carrying and he knows what you need. And the risen Jesus says, I'm here. Hear me as I call your name. Hear me as I speak peace to you and I breathe on you and I say, receive the Holy Spirit. My presence is my gift to you today. Receive it. Not from me, from the band, from everyone else. Receive it from Jesus. Jesus is here. Just like he was there. And in your doubt, be honest about your doubt. Like Thomas was honest about where he was at. And Jesus' presence swept it all away. The light and the glory. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full his wonderful face and the things of earth go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Receive his glory. Receive his presence. Receive the power of his Holy Spirit right now. Because there are plans and purposes that he has for you. The Bible promises there are good plans that he has for each of you. And hopelessness and grief and despair is not part of that plan. And fear is not part of that plan. And doubt needs to give way to faith that you can step into that plan. And so he brings everything that you need for this moment. We're just going to wait for a moment. Because in the end, it's about Jesus. And he is here. They said after they'd encountered Jesus, we have seen the one and only, full of grace and truth. May you see the eyes of your heart and the intellect of your mind, the one and only, full of grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And this next bit is super important for all of us. This next bit is about saying, I am going to step into the truth of who I am. I'm not the isolated, lonely figure walking through the mist of the morning, full of hopelessness and despair, accepting the way things are. I'm not locked inside with a bolt on the inside of my heart, unable to move because I'm gripped by fear. I'm not flooded with doubt with nowhere to go and nowhere to turn. But I am who he says I am. And they would say at the end of the Bible, John would write, 
Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us because we are what? Children of God. That is who we are, prince and princesses. Allow that to sink, to feel, to know. I am who he says I am. I'm tempted to say all kinds of negative things about me, but that's not the truth. The gospel truth is in Christ. I am who he says I am. You need to sing it with all your heart. Let's do that together. <laughs>